British Spy Stories, Season 1 Spy or Traitor? Episode 21 The Berlin-Brandenburg airport oozes efficiency from every pore. The buildings shine with newness, and people mill about, ant-like within the interior. Riverside and Catherine pass through customs and buy breakfast airside in one of the restaurants that overlooks the flat geometry of the runways and departure gates. She has known their destination to be Nice-Côte d'Azur since Riverside handed her the tickets as they checked in 30 minutes ago. After they have talked and eaten, Catherine says she wants to look at the shops and leaves him watching the departure boards. She makes a call to a logistics company and confirms that she now has more information on the parcel that they're holding for her and could they send it to an address that she gives them in Nice on 24-hour delivery. She doesn't feel she knows enough about her new partner on this operation yet and when she returns to him she knows she needs to prize out more information than she got from her early morning search on Oberon. What happened to your girlfriend? She says as she sits down opposite him. It ended, I told you. But why did you guys split? Why do you want to know? I want to know more about you, Rob. Now we're partners. Nothing much to tell, he says. She met some guy. And you knew him, says Catherine. His head turns rapidly towards her, and she knows from that sign that she has hit a bullseye. She waits, watching his hands play out the truth behind the fabrication he is weaving. Riverside nods after a second, as though he can't think of words to explain, but still feels the need to respond to her. You trusted her before that, though, she says, still watching his face. What about you? You got a boyfriend? Why do you want to know? She echoes his earlier response intentionally. There is a second when he thinks she is serious. Then they both laugh. I know, spies ask too many questions, he says. I do have a boyfriend, but not for much longer. Bored of him. Like you, I count loyalty as an attractive trait in partners. Do you think I'm loyal? At that moment, before he can answer, the flight is called. They gather their things and start to walk to the gate. Her mind clicks to the job in hand. She wants to plan more about the details, but Riverside is not giving anything away. Maybe he really doesn't know, she thinks. Or maybe he knows exactly what he's going to do and what plan he has for her. What Catherine still doesn't know is why he feels he needs sniper backup. It's not unheard of for field ops to call in her C9 branch, but this op is different. Bringing in an off-grid agent who could be reluctant sounds like a policing job, and C9 is a branch that provides brute force, a direct solution delivered to address a particular threat. C9 is not about cosy chats with agents. She needs more information from him urgently, or this operation will fail badly. 
Gabrielle sits in a cafe on the Rue Grimaldi, one of the streets that makes up Nice's boutique-speckled district, known as Le Car d'Or. The air is light and still around the chic storefronts. People walk in the roadways to see and be seen. She takes a sip of her Americano and holds her pen a few millimetres above the pad in front of her while she reads her jottings. She had forgotten how relaxing it is to write on real paper, and it reminds her of her childhood. The page in front of her has a mass of scrawled words about Marjorie Allardyce, and what she had meant by Ask in Berlin as a clue to where Gabby might find out more about the MI6 mole. She opens a port to Oberon on her phone and looks through the list of people in the British Embassy in Berlin. On the clean side, there are just names of administrators and clerks. On the dirty side, there is the standard array of people with diplomatic-sounding titles. She copies all of the names and drops them into the Oberon search box, then adds a date range for documents or changes to data around Mac's death. The results gradually click out on the screen in front of her as the message churns through the data and discovers matches. The Belgian GISS operation comes up as a search result and she clicks through to the report. Some of it is beyond her security access level, but the parts that she can see give her more context on why they were there in the first place. The GISS had been called in by Marcus Murphy to provide security for Klingerfeld, Mac's target. There was little background on why Murphy had done that, or why the kill order had not been cancelled. It is perfectly possible to send a simple message with the correct authorization at the last minute to stop it all, and that would have prevented his death. She reads on through the report, working backwards by date, The moment she reads one particular entry, she can feel her pulse increase. Murphy received a terminate order at 08.35 hours on the day of Mac's death. Mac would have been in the air at that time. Plenty of time for cancelling. But Murphy didn't cancel. He called in an ops team from Brussels to attend the location. Murphy, as the senior officer in the Berlin area, would have received the message first. But Gabby should have been notified too. All of the hours she'd spent with Mac had therefore been after the point where London and Murphy knew that the kill order should have been cancelled. Mac received no terminate instruction and no one had told Gabrielle that the need to brief Mac had evaporated. This points to Murphy as part of some sort of operation that was kept secret. Gabby scans the file for who in London had authorised the stop order, but the data is blanked out as beyond her clearance level. She decides to make two phone calls. The first is to Jonas Geelan in Brussels. Gabby walks to a phone box across the street from the cafe and shuts the hinged door to the outside world. She dials a secure line, and types in the access code. Then she is through to Brussels on the MI6 private network. Hello, Geelan, he says as he answers the call. 
is Gabrielle Lane. I can't help you any more, he says immediately. Just a quick chat, Jonas. No funny business this time. Just tell me something about GISS Ops. He is silent, which she takes as agreement to proceed. One of your GISS Ops units was called in by MI6 Berlin on the morning that one of our snipers died. How unusual is that? It's real. Why would anyone do that? She says. There are MI6 teams in Germany who could do the same thing. Various reasons, says the Belgian. No available resources, your end, for instance, or someone wanted to hide the operation from London? Why would it be hidden? she asks. The ops detail and the referral to Brussels would all be on the record in the British and Belgian computer systems, wouldn't they? Not if the call-in was made without authorization. Only formally authorised requests for assistance are allowed on our system, but if it is an informal request or lacks authorization code, you can't create a record to this end. OK, I get it, she says. I've got some research going on on our system. That's very useful. On another topic, he says. Have you destroyed that record you showed me? Your London person? Yeah, he says. It was just a lucky guess, Janus. What? I had no information on you. You showed me the records. Typed up that morning, she says. Interesting that you do have a source in London there. She hangs up before he can swear at her, and she calls hands, this time on her MI6 mobile. He steps outside onto the pavement in front of the Met Bar to take the call, then makes his way across the road to the bank of the river as they chat. She explains what Jonas related to her and what she found in Oberon, then asks him if he can find more at the embassy in Berlin and in particular any unusual activity by Murphy, and says that he knows Murphy's PA, Mel, very well, and there may be an opportunity to find something from her that is not on Oberon. I need it in 24 hours, Hans. I know, he says. I'm on it. The Petrus restaurant on Kinnerton Street sits five minutes away from Belgrave Square in London's Mayfair. Sir Bernard sits at a table for four, relayed for two, and finishes a discussion with his old friend, Geoffrey Langley, about the likely decisions coming down the tracks from ministers that will impact the secret intelligence service. Langley is more upbeat than Sir Bernard, and has been reassuring during their lunch about the period of time between now and the next election. Langley has to go to a meeting at number 10, and they call for their bill. Ella has not been to a Michelin-starred restaurant before, and when Sir Bernard told her to meet him there at 2.30, she was excited to see inside, although disappointed that she wouldn't be eating. She climbs the steps at Knightsbridge Tube Station and walks through the streets of London. She arrives too early, and waits on the seats by the door as she can see Sir Bernard and his lunch companion are still talking. The other man is given his coat, 
and he shoots Ella a sidelong glance as he passes her on his way out to a waiting taxi. Ella takes his departure as her cue to join Sir Bernard, and walks over to his table. "'Miss Paris,' he says, as he sees her approach. "'Do sit down. Coffee?' she accepts. "'I wanted to see you face to face, Sir Bernard,' she begins. "'I found something from the trawl of security service databases that you asked me to carry out.' She pauses. "'Go on.' "'I found a reference to Petrov.' "'Good. Where?' Here, she says, placing two sheets of A4 paper in front of him. He pulls out a pair of reading glasses from the top pocket of his jacket and arranges them on his slightly bulbous nose. She flicks her eyes between the papers and his face, letting him take in the information. He reads, then stops, thinking before he utters a word. A Russian agent, he says quietly. In London, she adds. He leans back against the purple seating and looks across the tables in the room, now emptying as lunchtime fades into the afternoon. Who else has seen this? Only you. I thought, given the information... She can't think how to complete the sentence. So, we have a list of the operations that link to the Petrov source from the European Security Service databases. He says, thinking out loud, I need all of these operations pulled out of the system and all of the people involved interviewed. That's dozens of people, sir. It is, Miss Paris, but it has to be done if we're going to find our leak. 